Welcome to Life Unfiltered with Felicia and Josh. So good to be back. We have special guests with us today, Jennifer Flanagan, or Mama Flanagan, as I love to call her. This is weird because your name is Jennifer, and so I'll use that in this case where you are a licensed professional counselor, so an LPC. You have your first-tier license for counseling, so you're a certified counselor. You deal with a lot of life transition, a lot of kind of teens young adults, and then the thing that we're going to talk about today, anxiety. So, Mom, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it, guys, it's it's kind of weird having your mom, like, <laughs> uh, on a show, but she is very knowledgeable in this topic, and I couldn't think of anybody better to deal with my crap. So, uh, you know, uh, as we go along, I'm sure I'll have a little a little fun with this as well. So, Hot take. Hot takes with Josh. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Go. Oh, man. I have to say no. No? Why? No. Because I'm old. I'm a Gen Xer. Because you're old and a Gen Xer. Well, there's one of those things. You are old. All fun. All fun and games. Um, no, so we have this thing called hot takes. And so I did this last episode. And so I actually wanted you to, you don't know I'm doing this, but I wanted you to give me a topic to give a hot take on real quick before we get into the bulk of the episode. Give you a topic? Yeah. Give me something to just go off about. Hot take. Ooh. Okay. That's hard. Really putting, yeah, me, on really putting me on the spot. Yeah. How about ADHD? ADHD. Is it overdiagnosed? Is, is it? it? Hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. Probably. ADHD is very broad. It's a very broad diagnosis. So yeah. it can look like a lot of other things. And just the fact that, so for those that aren't aware, ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And so basically it's where you have trouble focusing but then you're also hyper as well in that unfocused state. And so for me, I have ADHD, and so I get what? I get that way. <laughs> yeah, right? Shocking. <laughs> oh my gosh, so crazy. But so uh, I would say my hot take is, yes, it's overdiagnosed. It looks like different things. It could just look like energy. And, you know, young young boys especially don't know how to cope with all the energy that they're kind of putting out there into the world and their parents just want them to you know shut up and sit down and be still and so they're like oh there's something wrong with my child like give him medication and so you know I think that's a disservice right and then there's also the element of actually people are using ADHD meds like ill they're not using them for the right purpose so people are using Adderall eh, Adderall out in like university settings, work settings, different things like that, because Adderall is a stimulant. And so it gives you focus for a good number of hours. And so people use it to get their homework done or work done. And so that's why there's a big shortage right now is because people are actually not using it for the correct purposes. So there's my hot take. Okay. Yeah, hot take, which isn't really a hot take. Like it's really just, there's a, th what I said was very factual. 
like you can find these facts out there but as opposed to a hot dog being a sandwich or not <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just wanted to throw that one out there because that one was actually yours felicia yes. and Thank I'm, you. I appreciate yeah i'm it. of a i'm of the opinion that a hot dog is not a sandwich but I have no respect for people who say otherwise. So, wow, <laughs> he's looking right at me because I said a hot dog is definitely a sandwich. Yeah, which I don't really know why. I just believe it. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, Felicia, shots fired. I know. Yeah, exactly. Right across the table. Right across the table. Yeah. <laughs> well, so um, yeah, let's get into kind of the bulk of things, right? And so we have. The topic of anxiety today. And so anxiety is just this really prevalent topic in our society right now. There's different concerns over social media use and how anxiety plays into that. There's different bills out there in order to kind of give more awareness to that aspect of it. Then there's just anxiety in general where people have it or are feeling it. And, you know, I think it's important to lay out here what the difference between anxiety and being anxious is. And so can can you give us like just a 30 second kind of overview of that? Well, let me start with the fact that we all get anxious. So people use anxiety very broadly um, and it's more of a trait than a diagnosis. I think in the way most of us use it, we're all going to run into situations where we feel anxious about something and a lot of it is how we perceive it because in our culture, we don't want to feel bad things. Um, and so a lot of times if we feel something bad, we assume it's bigger than it is. So mm -hmm. I want to start with that, that um, being anxious or anxiety mm -hmm. um, is something that we're all going to feel at one time or another. We mm -hmm. can't eradicate that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's for lack of a better way to say it, it is a diagnosis, but it's also a symptom, right? It's also a trait that we have based on being in a stressful situation, right? So um, I think sometimes we lump it all into one. Mm -hmm. And so it's anxiety um, and we assume it's, I have anxiety, this big overarching diagnosis, mm -hmm. when really it's a trait of some season of stress that we're in. Yeah, like for for me right now, right? And I can say this because this episode will be coming out after um, uh, this is happening. But for me right now, I have I am anxious because I'm getting engaged next week. And so I have a lot of last minute details that I am kind of putting together. Some being... I had to move up some time changes, which kind of, you know, messes with the whole schedule, like different things like that. And then also just the anxiety of like this impending kind of um, or maybe this anxiousness of this impending kind of moment where I have to be like, hey, trying to spend the rest of your life with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no bro. <big> deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Super light stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so can I, can I say, woo-woo? Yeah, <laughs> we need that because yeah. I'm super excited, Yeah. right? But I think that example is a great one, right? Mm -hmm. Probably everybody who's going to propose to someone yes. is going to be anxious about that, Yeah. right? So If you're not anxious, 
I covet that so much. <laughs> yeah, right? I do not know how. <laughs> do you just not feel like right. what is happening right now? So that would be a really good ex- example, right? Yeah. You don't have generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are anxious about an upcoming event. Yeah. So say more about like what generalized anxiety disorder is actually. Because there's, uh, there's the DSM definition, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for mental health disorders, which is what counselors use. And so what what would that be characterized as? Yes, absolutely. So one thing that I would say that we do is we are looking for um, intensity of these symptoms that I'm going to be uh, talking about, um, pervasiveness, which means that they apply to more than one area of life. So it doesn't just happen at school. It doesn't just happen at work, right? Um, so intensity pervasiveness and then duration like how long has this been a problem for you yeah right so right now you're anxious about proposing Mm -hmm. but once you propose and she says yes and we have a party right then that turns to excitement yes correct um so um so that you know these are the things that we're looking for as i'm reading off these or talking about these right symptoms Mm -hmm. yeah so um we want to see something that has the duration of at least six months. Okay. Oh, wow. Right? Um, we want to um, look at having a hard time controlling the worry. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's something that feels unmanageable in your head. So it has you. Is that the same thing as spiraling? It can be. Yeah. It can be. It's something that you are having trouble reining in. That is, that's another piece of it. Restlessness, feeling on edge, fatigue, uh, talking about difficulty focusing in mm-hmm. ADHD, right? Difficulty focusing comes with other things, and one of those is anxiety. Irritability can be part of it. You can be tense. If you think about when you're anxious, you carry it in the different parts of your body. Mm-hmm. So maybe you carry anxiety in your stomach, right? You carry it in your shoulders, right? Your back hurts or your neck is sore. Sleep. Sleep is a big key on anxiety too, right? Insomnia. Um, Maybe you have difficulty falling asleep. Maybe you have difficulty staying asleep. That would play into it as well. Um, It's not a specific focus. It's this all-encompassing, overarching worry. If it's attributed to something specific, we would probably call it an adjustment disorder because you are in a season of transition or there's this very stressful event that's happening. Mm-hmm. But this is a pervasive, sort of vague, overarching, right? Mm-hmm. We can't identify exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. So an example of that could be like if you just moved recently. Absolutely. Moving, getting a new job, right? Getting be- married. Getting married, becoming a parent. I'm trying to think of you know, a whole list of things. But mm-hmm. those major life transitions, right? Something that's happened. You have a sick a sick relative you're caring for. You've mm. been seriously ill. Yep. Mm. Right? All of those things. That would fall more under adjustment disorder. There's a specific thing stressing you out that you can identify. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we also, <laughs> it's in this overarching anxiety. It's not attributed to a substance. Yeah, um, that's an important one. Because as we've kind of mentioned in past episodes, like substance use can actually look like mental health disorders yes 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, different medical conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Hyperthyroidism. Yep. Right? There's other things. Um, menopause. Mm. That's a big one. You know, so that those can, um, you know, those can come into play. Mm -hmm. So that's something else to look at. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that kind of sums up kind of what we're looking for as far as like clinical symptoms and things like that. Yeah. No, I think that's very helpful to kind of get it all out on the table because then it we get from this more societal look at, oh, I have anxiety to like anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder uh, and what anxiety actually is versus versus that. Um, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, that was a great list of things and symptoms and what goes into anxiety and the difference between anxiety and being anxious. That's super helpful. What has been your personal experience with anxiety or is that part of your personal experience? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big question. Yes, yes. Nothing like being put in the hot seat. Yeah, um, you know, when you mentioned not sleeping and all of that, I couldn't help but chuckle because I was like, mm, yeah, that, I, that, that's so unfamiliar to unfamiliar, you. Unfamiliar, totally unfamiliar to me. Um, what's interesting is that I have experienced anxiety more later in life mm -hmm. than earlier. Really? I, I, had, I was more prone to depression depressive I guess you would say symptoms earlier in life and the anxiety has come on I think as life has become uncontrollable right because we have this plan in our head and then <laughs> life doesn't look like that mm -hmm. and so those things happen and mm -hmm. so I think probably my main experiences with anxiety would be financial anxiety due to things that our family has been through mm -hmm. um and health anxiety as each of my kids has been diagnosed with a ongoing chronic uncurable wow. uh, medical condition so as we've dealt with that i think that that has been and then as my life has changed going from a stay-at-home homeschooling mom to a master degreed licensed professional counselor yeah. and all of all of the growing that has come in that time all the transition so I think that right those situations have kind of stirred that up as well mm -hmm. so how does it kind of like we we said kind of financial and different things like that like how does that manifest for you so you know we we joke about the sleeping but that is an actual thing like there's times where you know you're worried about one of us and so that affects your sleep right and so um i'm curious like what other ways can it manifest for you or like what other ways you see it manifested yeah no it's a good as i'm sitting here and as i'm talking through things like for me it would probably right if we were going to diagnose me right it'd probably be adjustment disorder with anxiety because a lot of these things are specific things i can point to but i do also have some vague overarching right anxiety as well um but a lot of them are pointed to a specific thing so um so you want me to talk about how they kind of show up yeah in how me? do they show up kind of for you okay so definitely the sleep thing mm -hmm. i know he's gonna be laughing over there but this whole either i can't fall asleep or for me the more common thing is to wake up and then my i wake up with my heart racing 
mm-hmm. right? And then I can't get back to sleep. Yeah. So that's kind of how it would manifest for me. I carry a lot of uh, anxiety in my shoulders mm-hmm. and back, upset stomach. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's more kind of how it shows up. And it's very physical. physical. Yeah. It's very physical. Now, I have the thought, the anxious thoughts too. But when I think of anxiety and how it manifests, yeah. it, you, it goes straight to my body. <laughs> yeah. right? You're like biological over psychological. Like, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate the honesty with that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I relate to you sharing that you had depression earlier on in life and then anxiety later on in life because that has been kind of my experiences being super depressed when I was younger and then realizing like maybe some of that was even anxiety that I thought was depression because I was really down but like you said it manifesting physically realizing that oh that's probably more anxiety or coming from more anxious thinking with how it manifests so it's really interesting it it, it is really interesting and it's a very well there's uh, symptomology it's also very individual right how that's going to show up for you yeah i think it's important right to understand that everybody feels it differently and so no two people are going to be exactly alike they might be similar um but then there's also this thing that you know us as clinicians need to be mindful of it's like we don't start diagnosing ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I fit that, I fit that, I fit that. Oh, okay, so anxiety, great, cool. Or diagnosing. Yeah, that's too. Yeah, yeah. If you ever, if you ever want to start the biggest fight in your house, that would be diagnosing family members. Yeah. Just saying it right off the bat because everybody gets an attitude, which I don't blame them because I wouldn't <laughs> want to be like, oh, well, you're this that, and the other thing. It's like, oh, wow, thanks. Appreciate that. Lump on the shame. Why don't you? Yeah. So it's kind of like the uh, Enneagram where when you diagnose people, you're like, oh, you're definitely an eight because you're so aggressive. And it's like, relax, bro. (laughs) That's not the case. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Similar. How, Josh, I want to know how anxiety has impacted you. (sighs) Yeah. I'm actually kind of going on this journey right now because I'm wondering if I do have some sort of anxiety. Because yours, you usually um, move towards depression, right? Yeah, I'm depressive. So, like, I, I have low-grade depression. So, I have, like, mild depression. Or it used to be – it's technically not a clinical term anymore. Um, so, it's moved to something else. I don't remember what it is. But it's, like, dysthymia. And so, that's, like – Oh, that's a big a, word. Yeah, it's more of a low-grade depression. I think that's persistent depressive disorder. And so, that's what you might hear people say, like, seasonal depression – like, that's now persistent depressive disorder uh, through the newest revision of the DSM. And so that's how it manifests for me is, like, you know, I'm, I lean more towards the depressive. But lately I've been thinking, like, I wonder if some of the times where I get myself into the most trouble is, like, when I'm actually anxious and I'm not depressed. And so, I don't know, I see that... I see that more situationally, like in my job, like I'll be like, it's not this way. Why isn't it, th- it this way? And then I'll start freaking out. And I'm just like, just do it like the. And so, you know, it comes out sideways. Like I, the term I use is like I emotionally leak on the people. 
Um, and so like all my emotions are on everybody else. Um, I don't know, mom, you can, know, you, mom, can you can, I was going to say, do I get to speak <laughs> yeah. into this? Sure, mom. Like, is sure, I, do I get but to do give this? your uh, clinical give opinion your, uh, as well. No, we want to know all the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> all the dirt. Okay, Life fine. We'll get your mom in here. No, that's okay. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is when he's talking to him about it being situationally, I see that as well. Um, because Josh likes to walk the line, push the envelope, throw, launch a grenade, if you will. What? But he also hates to be in trouble. Yeah. Right? He has this, uh, this internal mm-hmm. compass, which he wants to do the right thing and be in the right place, be the pr- kind of person he wants mm-hmm. to be. Now, there's the fun-loving, impulsive, maybe even ADHD mm-hmm. side, right, that makes him walk the line. But I've seen that situationally. I'm thinking... Um, yeah, maybe undergrad <laughs> in college. <laughs> um, all of know, it or just parts? Like, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> well, I don't know all of it. Yeah, exactly. yeah and, moms um, don't get told everything. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't get told everything. But I, I saw that in, right, in you not wanting yeah. to get in trouble. So I see, I see that. Or wanting to do a yeah. good job with something and then being anxious about the outcome with that. Yeah, it like hits me in my stomach. If I'm like really anxious, like I'll give you, I'll give you, it actually like hits me in, yeah, it hits me all sorts of different biological ways, but like sometimes it's the stomach and I just get like, I feel like my stomach has like dropped out from under me. And so I just feel like very like on edge and anxious and oh, what's going to happen? And I don't have control over this and, uh, and kind of like freaking out a little bit. And then there's, um, like the other part where I go, because I'm anxious, I get really snippy. And so I'll just like lash out at people like verbally. And so, you know, that's like that has been part of my story as well, where I'll just be like, don't bother me. Like, shut up. Like, kind of the thing. irritability, maybe? Yeah, yeah, zero, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's also hit like that point as well. Um, for undergrad, undergrad was stressful, like in so many different ways. I mean, graduate school is definitely stressful. Uh, but you know, yeah, it all, it all depends for me, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What? Sorry. I'm, I was really stuck on, I didn't realize you were homeschooled. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I didn't want to see the light of day or come out of my basement ever. Oh, now come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was from several uh, minutes ago, but I just yeah. was really stuck on the fact that you were homeschooled. Yeah. I would not have known that. Uh, yeah. Because so that's I'm, a compliment to you. Well, thank you. I am well adjusted. Uh, a little too adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> It helps when you have a friend that goes to public school who's, like, your best friend, and then they give you all the, like... All the dirt. All the things that you missed but don't have to live through, uh, and then you're able to kind of pick the bits and pieces that you need in order to kind of be a well-adjusted human, so... What, did you want to say something there, Mom? No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm curious with all this being said, right? So you're a counselor. You have clients with anxiety. Okay. What do you tell your clients? Like, what does what a session where you're talking about anxiety look like? Because you've experienced it. You have people in your family that experience it. 
I'd assume that some things that you've seen or felt kind of play into session without actually like kind of verbalizing, hey, this is my experience kind of thing. Because, you know, uh, counselors are good at that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious, like, what, how that shows up kind of in your clinical practice. Um, well, there's a very, there's a, a, a pervasive undercurrent of anxiety, I think, in the culture right now. It's not anything that people can escape, really. Um, so, yes, we're going to see it. The thing, I, I start... Um, with examples. I use a lot of physical examples with my clients. So for example, we'll talk about the committee in your head and how everyone has one. And sometimes your committee works for you. Sometimes your committee works against you and how there are four main voices or four main committee members, right? And kind of how they show up. And so the first committee member that I always mention is worry, right? And so worry sounds like what if, the worrier. And then I also talk about how um, this is actually a God-given voice in our head. It keeps us safe. It's the voice of safety. So we don't do stupid stuff. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> this is just gang up on Josh yeah. episode. I was going to say, I love yeah. Felicia just look over at Josh just now. Yeah. That was really good. Um, so somewhere along the line that gets tweaked. It's not just this voice to keep us safe. It's, oh my gosh, there's danger. Oh my gosh, there's a threat. And so then we get this pervasive voice in our head that says, what if, what if, what if, what if? So I talk about that a lot. That's usually one of the first examples that I use with my clients. Is that kind of the uh, fight, flight, or freeze type of, do you get into that? Like with we have, that situation as well? We do. We've talked about, and they've added fawn. Do you know that there's a fourth one? Ooh, no. Okay, okay, so there's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So fight is what it sounds like, right? You go on the offensive, right? You're going to be aggressive. So what Felicia um, does. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the uh, shots fired back. <laughs> um, there's flight, right? That's the runaway, mm-hmm. right? There's the freeze, like, oh, crap. What do I do now? Yeah. Right? And then there's the fawn. Fawning is you're going to people please your way out of it. You're going to people please to make yourself feel better, to make them feel better, to make the problem go away. Okay? So there's those. What's interesting is in all of those situations, um, right, our wise brain shuts down. Mm, okay right? and Get we're working dbt in there so we're kind of working on instinct right okay so we're given this adrenaline rush when we have anxiety because we don't want to sit there and intellectualize oh is that a friendly tiger or is that a tiger who's going to eat me <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. so so we're we have this god-given thing of like shuts down your wise brain and run or fight yeah. right it's it's all it's about like a reaction reaction yeah. impulse it's all about survival right. right um and so these things are our survival techniques um so you feel a threat see a threat imagine a threat i i guess it's perception right we yeah. say perceive a threat yeah and those things happen yeah and your brain kind of goes whoa yeah, <laughs> yeah. hold up i thought of the video there's this viral video of this dude like punching a kangaroo because oh. he like has his dog 
is you you gotta look this up maybe i'll link it in the show show notes because it's hilarious but literally like the kangaroo was after his dog and he's like we're gonna fight him and literally smacks him across the face what and the that the kangaroo is in freeze mode because he like doesn't understand what happens yeah and the dude just like runs away with his dog into like his house or whatever and so that's what i thought of when when you were talking about some of some of those right so yeah, yeah um so you have the committee right yes and so you have that person who is saying danger danger um or worry Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other committee members in there as well? Oh, okay. So we're coming a little away from anxiety here. Um, so the four main members I talk about are the worrier, the critic, the perfectionist, and the one without hope. Uh, a lot of uh, things that you hear, they would call that the victim. I feel like that's really negative. I feel like a lot of times we've lost hope for a legitimate reason. And so the person isn't playing the victim. They have had something that's in their life happen that's made them hopeless. Mm-hmm. So those are the f- main four. Okay. Yeah. I say the say that say that again. So you have the the worrier, the, warrior, the critic, critic, the perfectionist, and the one without hope. And the one without hope. Wow. Cri- that covers a lot. Yeah. I feel like you could say all of those to some extent cover the anxiety yes. kind of plane because the perfectionist could be anxiety, <laughs> right? Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. The worrier definitely is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the critic also is. Could be. Could be. Because it's like, oh, you didn't do this right. Uh, like anxiety. Yes. You're going to do get a bad review on your job, like blah, blah, blah. And then having like the one without hope, that could be anxiety to some extent but Mm -hmm. that sounds more depressive to me well i think that where anxiety would come in with that one is the person who's afraid to have hope Mm, you know because that could be depression depression or anxiety right if you're afraid to have hope yeah can you say more about that josh and i are like huh can you say more about the person who's afraid to have hope like what that looks like exactly yes so i have some clients one of the things that i'll tell my clients is it's okay that you don't have hope right now. I'm holding hope for you. And so like I'll I'll like literally put my hand up and like make a fist of like this is where the hope is. And I'll say it's okay. I have hope for you. Mm. A lot of times when if they're very depressed or very anxious, right? I'm not going to get through this. You will. I'm holding hope for you. Um, a rebellious child. Um, a lot of people it's in their marriage. Right? We'll never put this back together or or yeah. we're splitting up and I'll never learn to live this new life. Right. And so I feel like my job is to tell them that I hold hope for them. Mm. Um, we also look for rays of hope in their life. Right. I, I call them struggles and wins mm. um, because everyone struggles. Yep. So we want to normalize the fact that we're going to have this. Yeah. Right. So struggles and wins. And so I will ask, especially when someone's struggling with hope, I will say, so what were your wins this week? Hmm. And a lot of times at the beginning, they can't identify them. So as they're debriefing on their week and as we're talking about things coming up or we're talking about an interaction or an event, I'll have to point out, wow, that sounds like a win to me. Hmm. That's really good. I think especially because when you're so anxious, you forget about all of those wins 
And I had somebody one time tell me when I was really depressed and anxious, they were like, whenever you experience a win or feel a win, write it on a piece of paper and stick it on your wall. And then after that week, look back and see what those wins are because your depressive part of your brain or your anxious part of your brain is not going to remember any of those things by the end of the week. I love that. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. What are some other uh, coping mechanisms that you can use with anxiety? Okay. So there's, it's, it's interesting. Coping skills are as individual as the person in a lot of ways. So some of the times I will, a lot of times I'll start with the traditional breathing, right? And there's all different types of breathing. You know, you can breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. You can, you know, there's all different types. You can look that up. There's meditation apps. What you want to do is you want to get you connected with your body, feeling your body, calming your body, learning how to calm your body. So many times we just assume our, you know, we've been talking about these physical manifestations of anxiety. We can do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And people assume they have to live with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I see that. I see that in in clients all the time. Right? I well and I see that in myself. Yeah. Um you know I have I this see that I have this Apple too. Watch and there's this like breathing app, right? And it's for 1 minute mm-hmm. and it'll come up and I'll just shut it down multiple times a day. <laughs> no, thank you. Breathe, no, thank Jen. You. I'm breathe. Not I'm a clinician and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um But what's interesting is sometimes I'll check in with myself and I'm shallow breathing. And so, right, so there's something we can do about that. So that's one place that we start. Also, what is your calm, healthy go-to? Is there music? A lot of people connect with music. Music is a thing, right? That's mine and Felicia's thing. Yeah. So music is a thing. What you know for me like casting crowns yeah like that's um also nature right connecting with nature exercise right you're all we're always going to check in on are you moving your body what are you putting in your body and are you sleeping Mm, yep because yeah what you eat matters it does that's the other part of this that a lot of people don't realize or understand is like literally what you put in your body can actually have a like maladaptive effect well and are you having 10 cups of coffee during the day yeah right are you not having any protein yeah, i'd be anxious if i was having 10 cups of coffee today. <laughs> yeah. be pretty ah, rough yeah i feel great yeah <laughs> why am i freaking out <laughs> right and are, are you moving your body if that adrenaline and cortisol is coursing mm-hmm. through your veins because fight or flight right mm-hmm. it's there so that you can do those things and that's yep. how that leaves your body but if you're not doing any of those things it's in there so are you moving your body and then sleep i think every training i've ever gone to every clinician has put up a slide up that says sleep the last training i went to they put up a slide that said only sleep oh wow (laughs) i mean that's how important sleep hygiene is so so a lot of times we start there is there an average amount of hours that they suggest or is that different for everybody it's probably different based on your stage of life. Teenagers need a ton of sleep and they often get the least amount of sleep because school starts early and homework keeps them up late. Um, I've also been reading, I don't have a, uh, a citation for you, that women need more sleep than men. Um, and so I've been 
kind of, I need to follow up on that, but that has been something else that I've seen as well. Is there a reason for that? Like, do you remember off the top of your head what? I want to say the article I was reading was talking about kind of adult, either childbearing years or menopause, something oh, okay. in there. So it's like it's that a, biological I, I would say a hormonal yeah. sort of related. Got it. So okay. um, don't hold me to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jennifer Flanagan, yeah, do solemnly uh, swear, do solemnly swear. <laughs> that what I say is gospel. Um, some of the other, uh, as I think about coping skills, a lot of times I'll say temperature, texture, and posture oh. can influence yes. anxiety, right? So um, if you run cold water on the inside of your wrists or put it on the back of your neck or splash it on your face, something to connect you. Right. Or if you put a a hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate in your hands and you focus on the warmth that it's bringing to you. Right. It takes you out of your head and that sensation. Right. So that's something that I think about. So temperature is one texture. Right. Go outside. Take your socks and shoes off. Curl your toes in the grass. Walk through sand. Take your shoes off or socks off in the house. Curl your toes in the carpet. Get a squishy ball. Wrap yourself in a fuzzy blanket. Yes, a pet, weighted blanket. Pet your, pet your animal. Weighted blanket, right? The texture can be can be a thing. And then posture. You know, if you're lying down and you're anxious, walk. If you're, you know, maybe you need to sit, sit cross-legged and do breathing. Right, lay down and stretch your body so that you're able to monitor your breathing better. So that's great. I've never heard the temperature thing. I'm going to use that because I think I've done that before. I can remember recently I was really anxious and, you know, we're in Chicago, so it's cold out here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so anxious and I was kind of, I was having a conversation with somebody and I was kind of rebelling and I was like, I'm just going to go outside. Like, I don't want to talk anymore. I was being really immature <laughs> and I went outside and yeah, it it was so cold out and I was just walking with bare feet because I was being stupid, but actually maybe it was really smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Just walking with bare feet down the street in the freezing cold. And I remember coming back inside and being like, wow, I have drastically calmed down. So yeah, I never would have thought about the temperature. It's really interesting. There is something... To... Don't quote me on this one either, but... <laughs> the Flanagans uh, yeah. are not quotable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's oh. something to do with interrogation techniques um, with, like, different high-value targets for the military and stuff where they actually use temperature as a way to kind of give this imbalance to somebody's emotions. So if it's too cold, you have this versus if it's too warm, you have this versus, you know, light does this type of thing if you're, you know, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that that makes sense to me, actually. Well, and uh, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, when we talk about that being useful for mental health, that can also be used against people in that way. What do you mean useful for mental health? Well, I mean, we need to sleep, but like if they're going to use it in interrogation, right? Yeah. They're going to sleep deprive you, yes. you know, to lower your filter and Correct. things like that. And that's why, you know, sometimes people come out talking at you sideways because you're, because they're not, that's where we get back to that whole sleep thing is 
you're you don't have enough sleep and so that's why you know you're that's why you feel moody some days. It's not just like, oh, well, I didn't get the normal sleep that I want. It's that I didn't get quality sleep. I didn't get good sleep. I didn't get, you know, name name that. I didn't get REM sleep where my body's actually going deeper. And so it's a whole thing. And that can impact anxiety as well. Well, what if, what and if you oversleep? Can that impact it as well? Yeah. Okay. Because I did that today and I was <laughs> off. <laughs> well, so it was like we were, we were talking earlier, right? Where your routine impacts your psychological like function, impacts your brain. And so if you have a surplus of sleep, then your brain's going to be like, well, what's happening? Like, I'm not used to this. And so that can be anxiety producing or... It can just be, you just feel off the whole day. And so that's why that can feel that way sometimes because you're literally fighting with your brain going, no, we needed this. And your brain's going, no, we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You did something wrong. And then that's why it kind of feels off. And that's why you might be more anxious, right? Well, and going back to the temperature, texture, posture thing, um, that's kind of grounding, mm-hmm. right? So we need to grounding. So I don't want to miss what that is categorized as right these are things that ground you so there's also um the five four three two one i was just about to ask that that's my favorite one to use yeah so it's so you sit in a chair feet on the ground right and you look for five things you can see say them out loud you look for four things you can touch say those out loud three things you can hear say those out loud two things you can smell, one thing you taste, and you are reconnecting with yourself. You are in the present. Because what happens um, with anxiety and a lot of times with trauma, right, it's that thing from there that feels like it's in the present day. So with this five, four, three, two, one, you are grounding yourself. You are in the present. This is what's going on right now. Yeah. It can also be, you can also use like pressure as well. Where it's like, okay, I want you to hold on to this chair. Yes. And squeeze like onto the chair arms and know that you this is sturdy. Like feel how sturdy this is. Feel how you're being supported kind of thing as well. Okay. You know what I do sometimes that I always thought was a little weird, but this goes along with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I will have my brother <laughs> lie on my back. So like mm-hmm. I'm on my stomach, he's on my back and that pressure really helps relieve anxiety. You know what you should get for that? Like, mm-hmm. your brother doing it, great. That's yeah. a fantastic brother. Like that, <laughs> And I'm glad that works for you. Actually, that's why emotional support animals are so impactful. Mm-hmm. Because when you have one that's trained, right, they will actually come up and put their body on you. Oh, wow. To do that. Because they sense your anxiety. And so they'll actually just lay on you. And you start feeling the, actually what happens is you start feeling the rhythm of their breathing and you start feeling the rhythm of your breathing and it starts synchronizing. And so you're able to calm down easily. So everybody should get a pet, but not not a bunny though. Okay. Because I have a bunny and he does not emotionally support me Yeah, he is a savage. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, I was actually with my dog on thursday at internship where i was doing substance abuse counseling and i was explaining how emotional support animals work right because he's esa registered and so 
uh, I was saying, okay, the dog, my dog's name is Avalanche. So I was saying, this is how Avalanche can, you know, relate with you, right? This is how Avalanche uh, bonds with you. This is how he kind of calms you. And I actually got to see this really cool thing with a client where this client who didn't express emotion was literally in tears because the dog just literally brought that out of them. And so that's another thing too, is they can, they can invoke emotions. So it's not only just satisfying your anxiety, but they can also, uh, they can also help you have emotions like uh, sadness or happiness or something like that. So it's good for depression and anxiety and bunch of other things. PTSD, like there's, there's dogs for that because dog going into kind of circling it back to that whole, uh, being present in the moment how the dog with the PTSD works is sometimes PTSD uh, uh, individuals with PTSD. That's that's a better sometimes, way to say yeah. it. Sometimes PTSD, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes individuals with PTSD will go into a trance after hearing a loud noise because it brings them back to their uh, trauma. It brings them back to that scenario. So literally, I've seen this and a dog will jump and kind of like punch his chest with their paws to kind of, because they're kind of fixed looking up and literally just in this trance and it brings them back to the present because they're like, Oh, something outside of me is like hitting my chest and they're kind of like, it's getting their heart back into a different, different rhythm and like focusing their mind. Right. So that is so cool. So I need a dog. I'm with I'm, my bunny. I'm just saying it would, I, I highly suggest getting like a pit bull, like a pit bull terrier. Like they're adorable. They don't shed much. They're also just fantastic. I mean, I have a Husky Labrador, so I mean like I, I love the dog, but they shed like none other. And so, yeah, that's just a side note, but yes, <laughs> highly endorse having a pet. Yeah. Well, why don't we kind of talk about why anxiety is so prevalent in today's culture? I think we need a whole library <laughs> of, <laughs> of books for that. I don't know that we have enough time, right? Yeah. There are probably so many reasons. One thing that I feel like I'm seeing in my practice is coming out of this very long pandemic season, mm-hmm. people are not sure how to live anymore. They feel like everything has changed Mm -hmm. and they were kind of out of life, like Mm -hmm. quote unquote, for so long that re-engaging is causing more anxiety. Is this person still my friend? Can I still do this job? Can I still get these grades? Am I still a good enough athlete? Mm. Right? Do people still care about me? Am I seen? Am I known? Am I loved? Mm. And so, and nobody's ever been through this before, right? And so one of the things that I'm seeing, especially in teens, is teens were asked, well, all kids, right? But I I see a lot of teens. They were asked to pivot on a dime, do school in a way you've never done school before. Don't complain about it. Still get good grades. Be isolated. And then when this is all over, we want you to jump back in like nothing ever happened two years later. When you word it like that, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's very different from how it's quote unquote phrased. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you have to think about it like that, right? This is what the kids went through. Never before 
I mean, maybe in World War II when we were doing, when they were doing blackout drills, or maybe during the Cold War when they were doing bomb shelter drills, maybe that was another time when kids felt this kind of cultural stress. But we've never really asked the kids to take the fall, right, to sacrifice so much, to be a guinea pig so much as we have the last, you know, handful of years. And, you know, I'm not saying it didn't have to happen. I'm just saying we need to realize that they are now going to struggle a little bit, right? When the American Academy of Pediatrics starts changing their milestone dates, right? And they're changing when these milestones are hit for young kids. We also have to realize that's going to go up the the age groups, right? Oh, I didn't realize they were doing that. Um, And I I have a, a ton of teachers on my caseload too. So it's more like, you know, the fifth graders that they have are acting like third graders, right? They don't know how to have, they don't have some of the social maturities. They don't have some of the things that just come with being with people, being in a routine. Um, so I think that is a big thing that's going on right now, right? And also there was a lot of fear, right? So there was a lot of fear. There was a lack of control over our own lives, right? That's going to create anxiety. There was a lot of uh, divisiveness. And so kids are taking, well, for all of us, but I guess I'm kind of leaning towards teens and how I'm yeah. talking, I guess. I hope that's okay. That's fine. You think about it, the divisiveness, they're watching this. They're absorbing this. I was thinking about it as I was working one day and a school notification of a school shooting came directly to my Apple Watch. So I'm thinking about these kids are getting this kind of news while they're sitting in their history class in real time, right? So it's these stressors that they're dealing with. They're watching it. They're experiencing it. They know people right, who've experienced it. So there's, you know, so this is, it's an anxious time and an anxious, you know, place to live. Now there's also things too, right, they, they want to get good grades or maybe people want to perform well on their job. I think we are um, the Western culture, productive mindset, success driven, Right, so that has an element. Right, no failures allowed. No failures yeah. allowed. If you're not making this amount of money, you didn't make it. Um, and then social media has brought that even exponentially higher, right? Because you need to be able to post that you're going to this college or that you got a job with this company. And then also, how do you look? Right, there's a big thing about how you look. And I'm sure that there's a thing for men that you could reference but I um I was talking to a male therapist who said I'm so sorry he said I he's like I have clients you know they they can you know have their middle age you know their dad bod their middle age paunch and they can look in the mirror and go I look good he's like but none of my female clients have that no matter what they look like wow um and so there's a you can't age Right. You know, and, you know, a certain body type is in if you think about yeah. it. Right. So like Marilyn Monroe. Right. In, in the Twiggy era, Marilyn Monroe would have been, quote unquote, fat. Yeah. Right. Twiggy looks malnourished. Right. In yeah. a different yeah. set of body so, types. So now instead of, you know, Marilyn Monroe, it's now Kim K. 
And so Kim Kardashian is, you know, booty like this, like kind of thing. <laughs> and so that that's that's how it is, right? And so I hear a lot of my friends being like, oh, if only I could be like that. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> it's not realistic. Oh my. Well, that's yeah. the thing that I wanted to bring up is like social media is so unrealistic. And that's why anxiety can be so high is because you're living up to unrealistic, filtered expectations, right? That's why this is life unfiltered because we want to kind of dispel against kind of that you're getting everything in a filter and this is how it's looking. And, you know, this person looks this way because, you know, they've gotten a lot of stuff done or they have, they're paying exorbitant amounts to some nutritionist or something like that to like make them this way or like fitness coach where it's kind of like, you know, you're good just the way that you are. Like I get wanting to better yourself. Like I went and worked out last night, hate it, absolutely hate (laughs) it, but I want to better myself. And to that point, I don't know if guys would be honest if they like didn't like themselves. That's the that's the thing that kind of when you're saying, oh, my male like this male therapist that I know, like his male clients were like, oh, I'm I'm great. I'm good. But for me, I see so many clients coming through addiction treatment and maybe it's because they've been Mm. through so much where it's like they're not doing good and they don't know what to do because they were never taught what to do. And so they feel anxiety about the road ahead because they don't have a path forward. This is all brand new. And then everything where it's like, buck up, like, come on, young blood, like, just get it done. Like, that's what's been instilled in that generation. Even people who are close to my age, like, that's because they have parents who have that older mentality of just, you know, pick up your pick up your ball and keep going. Like, don't don't stop for anything. Like, you have to be strong. You can't be weak. You like all that stuff. And so. You know, I wonder if actually within this therapist caseload, if his clients actually feel some of this tension uh, in kind of the way that they were raised. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. And it could just be they love how they look. (laughs) Yeah. Dad bod. All right. You know, (laughs) I'm 60. It's too late for me. Who cares? Like, that's my dad's mentality. He's like, dude. There, there's no way back. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ate all the Happy Meals while your mother was pregnant, and I look like this now. There's no, there's no going back. Yeah. Like I'm, and I'm fine with that. But you know, like for for people our age, right, Felicia? Like, I feel like within the males in our age, there's a little bit more kind of anxiety around looks and have to look a certain way in order to get a certain partner in order to be successful in a certain field to do something that is been expected of me since like birth, which is like be productive. So I wonder if that's part of this anxiety that we're seeing in the culture. Well, and even I think about the show, the bachelor (laughs) and you know, you have, you want a hot take. Oh no. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. But I think about that show and like all the males look the same, like broad shoulders, very muscular. They work out all the time, 24 seven. They have the perfect jawline. And it's just like, these are expectations that 
like why why are we expecting all of our males to have the perfect jawline <laughs> like that's no. just not realistic and that's like a certain percentage who are just blessed yes. with this certain aspect of their bodies but like you can't do anything to change that and so i think there still are um expectations that males have but kind of like you're saying maybe it's not as talked about or it's not as okay or i think like if you're in a group session group counseling session females feel open to talk about that they're still insecure about it but they feel open to talk about it because it's talked about in our society whereas males it's not talked about at all so it's a very different different uh view for both Yes. Side note, mm-hmm. we also know somebody who auditioned for The Bachelor and did not get in. Yes. But I thought it was, like, fantastic. Yep. Yeah. So. Super cool. If, if they're shout listening, out shout out to you, bud. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're uh, on our minds today. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that's important to think about is with the things that you guys are talking about as far as, like, looks and, you know, we're talking about social media and this anxiety is – it's then limiting it is life limiting so there's all these things that you get anxious about right and then the anxiety holds people back right so because i don't look this way i'm not going to do this because my grades aren't like this i'm not going to try this because i don't have this income you know i'm not going to ask that girl out or i'm not going to you know i don't think i can retire early or um and so that's one of the things is um, you know, we've talked a lot about the physical part of anxiety, but anxiety, right? The thoughts, the anxious thoughts, right? Those are life limiting. And so all these people that we've been talking about in all these situations, right? Then these, it stops, it stops us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. What of, what do I do? How do I ride the wave of anxiety when I'm in it? I think one thing is to have that thought in your mind already that it's going to happen, right? I think some people are so thrown by anxiety, right? Oh my God, I'm anxious, mm-hmm. right? There's something wrong with me. Or even I'm anxious that I'm going to be anxious. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the real sounds thing. sounds hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for those who have anxiety, they totally get that. Yeah. Right. Right. This week I was in a really high stress Uh, situation and I expected myself to push through and I was having a hard time doing that and I reached out to a friend and they're like um high pressure situation hello and you know and and I was like oh that applies to me (laughs) oh I know exactly who that was (laughs) I know exactly who that conversation was and so, you know, it was interesting, right? Unrealistic expectations. So I think a lot of this is we have to normalize struggle. We have to normalize that we're going to be anxious in certain situations. It's going to happen, yeah. right? So anxiety is inevitable depending on the situation. So I think that's one thing is that we go, oh, right? This and is this is, yeah, I think, you know, and a lot of times what I'll tell my clients is if we poll the next 10 people who are driving down the street, hey, would this make you anxious? Probably 10 out of 10, but, you know, I'll I'll give you one. You know, 9 out of 10 of them would say, yeah, yeah, that sucks and that really makes me anxious. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, right, is to to normalize the struggle and to normalize the fact that anxiety happens. I think something else is to identify, right, 
how does anxiety manifest in you, right? If you know that you're prone to anxiety, have a plan in place, right? When I get anxious, I will, right? What are those things? A long, hot shower. I'm going to go for a walk. I remember telling my family, I'm going to walk until I feel better or my legs fall off, <laughs> right? And so eight, eight miles later, I came home. Wow. You know, because I just... I just walk, 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 walk. So I think a lot of times that have a support system. Who's your person, right? One of the things that I try to build around my clients is a support system, right? Who are those people? A lot of times I ask them, who's your 2am person? Do you have one? Yeah, that's good. Right? So who's your support person so that you can reach out and say, you know, if you're a person of faith, right? Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? Can you have someone who, you know, maybe someone who's got a good sense of humor, Right. All right. Talk me off the ledge. Right. Like what's what's going on here right now? So I think that's I think that's a good thing, too. Right. Physical. And what's your love language? Mm. Right. Physical touch. Do you need a hug? Do you need someone to sit next to you while you sit wrapped in your weighted blanket? Do you need someone to bring you something? Right. What? So what's that? Right. So what are those kind of calming things? Does that help? Does that give oh, you yeah. a, a better picture, maybe? Definitely. That will help me with uh, all future anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and current anxiety. And current anxiety. So when you get home, yep. weighted blanket. Yep. And have your brother lay on your back. Uh, yep. And search for dogs. <laughs> and search for dogs. Pet finder, bro. I'm just oh, saying. Oh. Like I, I can give you a few uh, apps to, to search because, yeah, it's, it's great. I think that does it. I, I want to say thanks for coming for... Um, like engaging in this topic because I think like your perspective is really powerful to not only just us, but like people who are going to hear this Mm -hmm. and just the fact that you're on the front lines is like helpful to people who are struggling and just don't know what the hell to do. Really? (laughs) (laughs) They're just kind of like, okay, I'm just here. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. For everybody else, we'll actually, we will, you know, link some different coping skills in the show notes. If you want to find more about Jennifer and her counseling, uh, we'll throw that in there too. If you just uh, want to say thank you or just reach out, um, hopefully that's that's okay. And we can go from there. But if you're going through this, yeah, find your person. Mm-hmm. Get your person. Um, it may be somebody who's listening to this with you. Or is just right next to you. So with that, y'all, stay messy and keep unfiltered. We love you guys. See ya.